Well, like Rich said, we are in a series this morning on spiritual gifts. If you're new here, most of you are not new, so you know that. But if you are new, we've been studying spiritual gifts this semester. And we'd like to take the Sunday morning hour and just kind of pick a topic and work through that topic. Um, We do a lot of exposition. You're going to hear exposition in the next hour, and um, we do that on Thursday night. But on Sunday morning, we kind of have this slot where we... We like to think our way through a topic together that's, that's crucial uh, for you to think through. And uh, we pick these areas to equip you in, and this semester it's been the topic of spiritual gifts. And if you're new, not just here at our church, but new to the faith, it may be a sweet surprise to know that the Lord saved you because He intends to use you. Right? So if you think about it, the Lord saves us to grow us so that He can use us. Right? We talked about that. Weeks ago, but it's good to to remind ourselves of that. He intends to use you. And even if you came out of a life of some pretty serious sin, or even if you're coming out of a life of some pretty serious sin, even if you're still struggling mightily with those old ways even today, that does not change the fact that the Lord saved you to use you. That's still His purpose. He saved you to cut you loose in meaningful work in the church to know how to help others come to know Him and to grow in Him. And that's what we're talking about here when we say spiritual gifts. Christ has given each one of us at least one unique ability that He intends to empower us in as we serve His people. And so that is a joy and a privilege, and it's been a sweet study I know for me. It's been very, very helpful. And now for the majority of this series, we've been working our way through these gifts as we see them in Scripture, and there are at least four main places where these gifts are found. We put them in a chart for you here across the top, um, and they're predominantly, or these at least in detail, they're in Paul's letters. So you can see this chart here, and, and for our purposes, we chose to categorize them into what we've called those foundational gifts. It's just a fancy way of saying the gifts that are, that are laid once, and then they're they're no longer needed for the duration of the history of the church. And then ongoing gifts, or gifts that are still present today. So we've been making our way through this list, slowly but surely. And uh, if you've missed any or you're new, all those messages are on the church app. Uh, so if you don't have that, just find somebody who looks like they've been around for a little while and uh, ask them to send it to you. And they, uh, they, they gladly will. And last time we... We talked about the gifts of leadership and administration, kind of down here toward the bottom. Leadership and administration. So we're almost done. And today we're going to talk about two more closely related gifts, and uh, gifts that many of you have said that you're waiting for, uh, the gifts of helps and service. And so we kind of we chuckle because we've dealt a lot more with the speaking and leading gifts just as we've worked through this list. And uh, everybody with serving and helping gifts have been like kind of anxious. Like, is he going to actually get to our gifts before the semester is over? Um, But here we are. Uh, Maybe last week it began to resonate with you as we were talking about the gift of administration. You know, that's that's kind of trending in the in the serving category. And uh, but anyway, this this week we're going to dial in on on those two gifts of service and helps, and then the following week. We'll round it out with mercy and giving. And all these gifts you'll see are, are, are related. Uh, there's some overlap here. 
But today we're going, to be, we're going to be looking, dialing in on what I think is essentially the same gift, which is that some people maybe might splice them up a little bit differently, but I think they're essentially the same. These gifts are called helps and service. So now you might be thinking kind of at the outset, like, time out. You know, I thought that all the spiritual gifts are serving gifts, right? Like, aren't we all serving when we use our spiritual gifts? And if that's the case, then what's this gift of service in particular? And so those are great questions to start from. And, and you know our, our, our method here. We basically just ask and answer some questions as we walk through this. But let's, let's ask this first question just to kind of orient ourselves to this topic. What does the New Testament teach about serving, and in particular, as it relates to the gift of service? Okay? Serving generally, and then how, does, how, do, how should we understand this concept of serving and what we should all be doing with, in particular, with this gift that Paul says is the gift of serving? All right? We'll make a few, kind of give you a few, few statements here, three really. And the first statement we would say is service is what every believer does when they exercise their gift. So it's right to say, you know, I'm serving when I use whatever gift I have. In other words, it's not like those with the gift of serving are the only ones serving. Follow me? Follow what I'm saying? It's not like the rest of the church, when they use their different gift, are doing something else other than, other than serving. So in a sense, in its broadest sense, when, when every believer uses his or her gift, whatever it is, they are serving. When the teacher teaches, he is serving. When the giver gives, she is serving. And so there's a, there's a, a crystal clear example of this over in Acts 6. So I'll have it for you on the screen. But in this chapter, the gospel is spreading in Jerusalem, and the apostles, who are supposed to be teaching, okay, they're supposed to be teaching, they're getting bogged down with trying to make sure that all those widows are being cared for properly. Widows needed money, they're poor, and they were part of their congregation now, and so the the apostles were the leaders, and so they were having to try to make sure that not, not only should they keep teaching, they need to make sure these widows are being cared for. And with so many people thousands in this church, it had become too much for these apostles, the twelve, to manage. So notice what they say in Acts chapter 6, and we'll pick it up in verse 2. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, you know, kind of the whole church together, and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God, here it is, to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So at first blush, it looks like they're saying, what we're doing, right, what we're doing, preaching, that's different from serving. You see that? Okay, it's not right for us to stop preaching to serve. You might think, well, Clay, that actually is the opposite of what you just said, you know, in your, in your heading. Well, at one level, this is true. There are distinctions. Obviously, we're going to talk about those. They need others who are more gifted in service to step up and meet these logistical needs so they can have more time to teach. But notice how these same apostles go on 
to frame up their teaching role in the next verse, in verse 4. But we, the apostles, will devote ourselves to prayer and to, he doesn't just say the word, but he says the ministry, literally the service, the same word, the service of the word. You see that? The service of the word. So even though they're not serving tables, they're still serving, meaning serving tables is just a way to talk about working out the administrative oversight of, of the care of those widows. Even though they're not doing that, they're still serving. They're serving the Word. They're using their own gifts, their Word-based gifts, and in, in their minds, they're continuing to serve. They're continuing to do this ministry, quote-unquote, of the Word. So we could say that when each believer exercises his or her gifts, they are serving. Okay, Service is what the church does. And that's typically how we use this term you know, in our everyday language. When we say we're serving in the church, that can refer to a whole host of spiritual gifts. And so that's one way, the broadest way this term is used. Now, if we, if we kind of had a spectrum, and that, if that's the broad spectrum on the left side you know, of the spectrum, then Peter, the Apostle Peter, can come in and he can use this word more toward the middle of the spectrum, and we could say it like this. Service can be a broad category for all of the non-speaking gifts. Now, that might be, sound confusing. Um, i try to word this in several ways, but it's the best, best you got, all right? Service, instead of being used for all the gifts, like it is sometimes, you can think of it, it's, it's, it's a broad category for like half those gifts, meaning all those ones that are non-speaking gifts. And I'm, I'm, I'm teasing this out so that when you hit these passages, you have categories, okay, for where to put some of this stuff. Service can be a broad category for all the non-speaking gifts. <clears throat> we see this in 1 Peter 4. In Peter's list of spiritual gifts, guess how many he gives us? Two. You know? You're like, what? Just two? Uh, well, you can think of them as like overarching categories. You can think of Peter as like the Cliff Notes and Paul as the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the longer, more extended version. Paul fills out what Peter gives you in sort of categorical form. And he gives us two categories, the speaking gifts and the serving gifts. So he says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So we're clearly in the gifts language. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Right? So there it is, just two in, in Peter's mind, two overarching categories. So we could say then that when Peter talks about the gift of serving, he's likely envisioning a lot of other gifts under that heading. Gifts that Paul teases out, like helps, mercy, giving, and probably even like miracles and faith. Those would all fall under this, this heading. Now, I'm just pointing this out here because it's easy to get confused. Here, Peter's using service in the spiritual gift sense, but he's still referring more broadly to a set of gifts that Paul then kind of will delineate out. So we could say this represents more the middle of the spectrum, okay? But if you move all the way to the right side of the spectrum, now we come to, we, we come to what Paul's talking about in our text, okay? The specific gifts of serving, maybe. There we go. We could say it like this. We could say that service can refer to an individual gift distinct 
from the other, even, you know, to use Peter's categories, gifts of service. The gift of service or the gift of helps refers to an individual gift in Paul's list. And it's distinct from the others. Okay? So just again, just giving you some categories here. And as a gift, specifically, this shows up in two places. In two of Paul's lists, the first one is in Romans 12. And Paul uses the normal term we think about when we think about service. And it's typically translated as the gift of service. He says here, verse 7, you can see, if service in our serving, right? If service in our serving. Pretty straightforward. Now, in a second of Paul's list, over in 1 Corinthians 12, he doesn't use that same word, but he uses a different one. And this word is typically translated as helps or helping. ESV translates that here. Now, I know that helps. When you say helps, that sounds funny. You're like, uh, you speak English? Like, we don't, we don't say that ever, you know, helps. Like, the plural form of help. Um, now, I know it sounds funny, but in the Greek text, it is plural. And that's how the, if you have an NASB, that's how, that, that's how the NASB will translate it. Even though the ESV translates it as helping. Now, I do like the plural, even though it's awkward, because I think that's part of Paul's point. There are lots and lots of manifestations, there are lots and lots of applications of this kind of gift. Makes sense, right? If you remember back, way back, to when we talked about healing, Paul does the same thing when he talks about that gift. He calls it the gift, literally, the gifts of healings. And I think it just means there's, there's a lot of different maladies, right? People can be, need, need to be healed from. And so there's, there's the gifts of healings, meaning there are a lot of different issues. There are a number of ways this gift can be exercised. So I think the same is true here. So that raises a second question. Okay, so all that's just kind of background, right? That raises a second question, then what exactly are these gifts? Specifically in that, that, that last category here. The specific gift of service and helps. Well, let me just say at the outset, I think both service and helps are the same. Okay? You might get a few people that give you a nuanced difference between the two, but I think generally they're the same. And since it's such a broad gift and it has so many manifestations, it's difficult to just kind of put a simple definition on it, but here's my, here's my shot. Okay? Here's my crack at it. I would say it like this. Service is the ability... To skillfully, and I think that's key, to skillfully assist others, to skillfully meet practical needs, and to skillfully carry out tasks in the church. The ability to assist others, meet practical needs, and carry out tasks in the church. And to do that with skill. It's the essence of a gift, right? You do it better than guy who doesn't have a gift. doesn't mean that the guy who doesn't have a gift isn't supposed to serve. But this person that has a gift of service is going to do this well. Now, this is an incredible gifting, so let's, let's, let's pick apart this definition here and, uh, and flesh it out a little bit. This gift thrives when it's coming alongside someone else to assist them. Okay? The ability to skillfully assist others. 
And I love that helps term. I love that Paul gave us that term because it really draws out the particular nuance of this gift. Someone who is gifted in service will want to do what those seven did that we, that we read about in Acts 6. They're going to want to come help their leaders meet a legitimate and important need. Right? A need that might be hindering these apostles, in this case, of being effective. So in a very real sense, this gift helps others um, in the body to maximize their gifts. Right? It's kind of a gift-maximizing gift itself. So they come, alongside the assist, they come alongside as an assistant to reduce the workload of others and often end up meeting the need much better than the leader could have done themselves. And not only is the need met better, but the goal is accomplished more quickly because you've got more hands on the net. And if you just think about Paul's life, he had ministry assistants who, who served him. And uh, it really interesting, kind of came across this one in Philemon 13. Uh, don't often appeal to that, that short little letter, uh, just one chapter. But in that letter, Onesimus actually ran away from his master. Paul ran into him, got converted in Paul's ministry. And Paul ended up sending him back, but he really wanted to keep him, you know, because he was like, he is useful to me in ser- serving me, meeting my needs. So he had one like Onesimus was there, even John Mark, 2 Timothy 4.11. John Mark, the guy that Paul really wasn't a, f- a big fan of and taking him on his missionary journey, he said, but toward the end of his life, had become especially valuable to him in service, in the ministry. So, Again, Paul had these assistants. And those gifted in this, this kind of help, they provide this assistance well, right? They know how to take things off someone else's plate in a way that's truly helpful, okay? They know their leaders well. They almost instinctively know when to go ahead and make decisions or when to pause and kind of cycle back around to ask a few more questions. And they, really what's driving this thing is they want to set their leaders up for success. So again, gift of, of helps is, is a kind of an assistant type idea. And, but in addition to providing assistance, folks with this gifting are also able to meet practical needs. Okay? Able to meet practical needs. And they're proactive to do it. They proactively meet these needs. And what I mean is that people like this, are, they often see needs quickly. And then they see it and they feel an impulse like, I need to meet that need or we need to get that need met. There's grass that needs to be mowing. There's buildings that need repairing. Chairs need to be stacked. Files need to be organized. Coffee needs to be brewed, you know. But don't just think about it as impersonal needs. I mean, those are important, okay? Helps the ministry run. But these are also personal needs as well. They also see that elderly member that needs a ride, or that new mom that needs a meal, and they'll be proactive to figure out how to meet that need. That's just kind of how they're wired. Or, like we'll say, gifted by the Lord. And finally, those gifted to serve are diligent to carry out tasks that are given to them. Our third part of our definition. They're diligent to carry out these tasks. They love it when someone tells them what they can do. They love when they, they learn or someone informs them of how they can be of meaningful help even if it may seem inconsequential or unimportant. Even in those things, folks with this gift carry out the task given to them with diligence. And then they show the rest of the flock what this humble Christ-like service looks like. 
and they serve well. So does that make sense? I think that's the, that's the gift of service, the gift of helps. So that raises another question that we often like to ask in these sermons. How do I know that I have this gift? What would be some indications? Now, because this gift is so broad and it, it, and it can take so many different forms... Um, just hold what I'm saying here kind of loosely, all right? Kind of like loose grip. This is just anecdotal, like it normally is at this point, um, kind of getting outside of the bounds of Scripture. This is just kind of coming from experience in church ministry. In my experience, obviously, those gifted in serving love to meet practical needs, like they enjoy it. You know, one person may be like, you like doing that? You know, and the other, this person with the gift of service, yes, like I actually, I actually do enjoy doing this. They see the importance of something that may seem to others to be less important or less spiritually significant, even though it's not. It appears that way, but the person with the gift of service sees this and, and realizes it's important. And they'll feel a burden to see that need met. Right? They know that the way, we, the, the way we keep up our property, for example, says something about our stewardship. It reflects Christ. And they'll have a passion to make sure that we're doing it with excellence. And this is especially true when people can use their areas of expertise, like the vocational areas, for the benefit of the church. We'll talk more about that at the end. But when people can kind of use these, these areas of expertise for the benefit of the church. The architect who gives input for a new church building. Right? And then we can just multiply examples all over the place on that. So ask yourself, do you thrive when there's some practical need you can meet in the church? Or when there's a need that you can bring your expertise to? And that might be an, an, an indicator. Okay? Again, folks, do I have that up there? Yeah, love to meet practical needs. Great. Um, again, folks like this, usually, but not always, prefer being behind the scenes. They prefer this kind of work that's not out in front. They like kind of operating in the background. They like carrying out a definable role or project, kind of in, in that background idea. They don't like setting the vision, typically, for these kinds of things. They're just like, just kind of, kind of give me a project, let me run with it, let me, give me something to do, um, a task. So ask yourself, do you find yourself gravitating toward opportunities that are less in the limelight? Does being up front make you feel extremely uncomfortable? Are you more of a faithful plotter and just love seeing things get completed? You know, are you kind of like, you love making, not just checking the box, but like making the box in the checklist, right? Um, So this doesn't mean you can't or shouldn't lead, okay? So sometimes those with the gift of service give direction to other people to help them serve. That's kind of essentially the essence of a deacon or deaconess. But it just means that you prefer work that's more behind the scenes. All right? So also in my experience, those gifted with service are more action-oriented individuals. They prefer action. You know, they're eager to do something. So ask yourself, do you prefer activity Actually putting your hands to something and being able to see a tangible result? 
you sometimes find yourself thinking, you know, when are we going to stop talking about this? When are we going to stop planning? And like, do it, you know? Like, when are we going to get to it? Maybe an indicator. And finally, these kind of folks typically delight in helping others maximize their gift. They love coming alongside and, and freeing up, especially their leaders, to have more time. So those leaders can devote it to their gifts, to their shepherding gifts, teaching gifts, counseling, other things. Or, you know, these gifts of serving, you know, they might be kind of a facilitator. You know, they might, they might realize, okay, this person needs intensive counseling. Um, that's not really my wheelhouse. But I know that guy or that girl, and it is their wheelhouse. So I'm going to serve this person by grabbing them and connecting them to the person that, that is their wheelhouse. Okay? And we all want to be doing that at some level, but I think those with the gift of service, they love to, they love to help others maximize their gifts and get people connected in ways that are important and useful. All right, so those are some indicators. There's a lot more we can talk about probably, but that, that should get us going. All right, next question. What should I watch out for? If this is my gift, you know, if, I, if I'm trending in this direction, what are the pitfalls? What do I need to be aware of as I'm trying to serve and use this gift? One of the most consistent pitfalls in my experience is overcommitment for these folks. Overcommitment. Let me just caveat and say that any... Any of us in any spiritual gift can fall into this category uh, of being overcommitted. Um, it's not like unique only to the gift of serving, but I think, it, I think it does seem to be a unique temptation in a particular way for these folks, and here's why. Because these people love to help, right? Like fuels their, fuels their tank to help. So they start signing up for teams. They start volunteering every chance they get, which again is a good impulse, not bad. Okay, because the only way to kind of stretch your plate is to is to stretch it, right? Is to stretch yourself. But these folks always seem to be at everything. They're always helping, and pretty soon, they kind of gain a reputation for it, right? They they they're known for their serving gifts, and their name is one of the first names that people think of when the need arises. Something needs to get done because they're dependable, they're faithful, they get it done. And so again, those are those are that's a great thing. So, but what ends up happening is these people get tapped a lot for a lot of different areas of the ministry because it's sort of, they're notorious for their serving gifts. And what will often happen, we try to avoid this, but even sometimes this happens, maybe even multiple leaders, right, start tapping the same people. And so they get tapped to do different things, and often, though, nobody sees the full schedule for these gifts of service people that have these gifts. And if they're not careful, if the individual is not careful, they can end up saying yes to much more than they can feasibly accomplish. And then some of their original responsibilities, what they started with, those start slipping, right? And they're not being faithful to Christ in those areas anymore because they've got so much going on. And often, a culprit that's lying underneath this is a subtle fear of man. A subtle fear of man. What do we mean by that? Uh, this, this desire to, to please people. Again, nothing inherently 
wrong with the desire to, to please others. But it can go off track pretty quickly. Servants naturally want to be helpful, okay? and especially so to their leaders. They might feel if they have to decline a serving opportunity, like if they have to tell me no, that they're letting me down. And that's the opposite of what the person with the gift of help wants to do. You tracking? And so what I want to do here, I, just, I want to applaud the impulse, right? Like I, I love the idea, like I want to serve pastors, I want to free them up. But let me warn you, do not fear us. Okay? Don't fear. Don't fall into that trap. We're not Christ. If we're asking you to do something that would cause you, unknowingly to us, but would cause you to be unfaithful to a responsibility that Christ has already tasked you to do, graciously decline the offer. Okay? You're not going to be in the doghouse. All right? Graciously decline the offer. Fear Christ over your leaders. Now, again, I could caveat that and say you need to be stretching yourself, yes and amen, but those with the gift of service typically are the ones stretching themselves, right? They're typically the ones that are pouring it all out, trying to do everything. So I'm saying, hey, pull back, see if there's some fear of man under that, and maybe kind of get your schedule in order. Because I think that's, a, that's a, a slight pitfall here in this gift. So if we go a different direction with the pitfalls, all right, let's consider this. Sometimes those with, the, with this gift might be tempted to feel unimportant or less significant than those with other gifts. All right, they might be tempted. Now, it is a temptation. It's not... It's sin, right? To start feeling, okay, man, I'm, I'm inferior. Like I, something is, is less important about me or less significant about my gift than this other, these other gifts. And I think that was definitely going on in Corinth. They really prized the gifts like tongues. Ah, like tongues, you know? And often the same is true today, right? The manifestation is like, yeah. You want to see the manifestation of the Spirit? Like tongues. I don't think there's ever been a movement in church history where it was like, gift of service. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, we're going to have a movement. The spirit is at work. Got a lot of people want to clean toilets. You know? It's like, why is that? Well, because our hearts are fleshy, right? The menial nature of the tasks that need to get done kind of tempt us to think this is not important. But Paul reminds us that even seemingly normal gifts are actually what his, he says are indispensable. Guess that? Indispensable to the flourishing of the church. You can write down 1 Corinthians 12, 22. These gifts are indispensable to the flourishing of the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 22. Now, it might be tempting to think, okay, PowerPoint's just not that important. Man, you know? I'm literally just pushing a button to advance slides. Like, who can't do that, you know? But do you know how indispensable that is? Everybody's like, yes, we know, okay? When a slide doesn't get advanced, what happens? The church stops singing. Because we don't have any books that we can hold in our hands, you know, that, that, that we're leading from. So the church doesn't, literally doesn't sing. That's like part of what we're supposed to be doing as a congregation. 
And we realize really quick just how indispensable this little roll is. This, you know, this one little button. Indispensable. And not only is something like that indispensable, but Paul says, get this, that these folks will receive greater honor. Greater honor. 1 Corinthians 12, 23 and 24. Greater honor because of the meniality of the gift or the, of, the, of the task. Those up front should regularly highlight those behind the scenes giving honor to whom honor is due. But even if they don't, do you know who does see? The Lord of heaven and earth sees the click of the PowerPoint. He has promised to greatly reward even the most insignificant service, like a cup of cold water to one of the least of the disciples. He will by no means, Matthew 10.42, by no means lose His reward. Or even, first century, couldn't get any lower than a slave, right? Slave is the lowest of the low. And Paul says to those slaves, when a, when a slave serves his master as though he's serving Christ, he will be rewarded by the Lord. For that. Talking about on the final day when the Lord comes back. On the last day, beloved, we will be certainly surprised as to who gets the greater honor, the greater positions in the kingdom, when the last become first and the first become last. So those of you with the gift of service, you have to know this. You've got to call this to mind because that's going to help you battle that temptation to think, this doesn't really matter. And it will fuel zeal in the tasks that are, might seem on the human front, without eyes of faith, might seem menial. Now I think, okay, why is this pitfall so tempting? I think it's tempting for a lot of reasons, but I'll give you another one. Many of these positions or opportunities are kind of entry level, right? They're kind of entry level. And I say that because you don't have to have the gift of service to serve. You know what I mean? Like we're all called to serve, and, and, and we often put new volunteers into these like basic roles. Things like set up and tear down, or spreading molds, or keeping things clean. And there's a temptation to think, like we said, couldn't anyone do this? And I guess I'm not that important. I guess my gift of serving isn't that important. But the person with the gift of service does these tasks especially well. And they can even help others who are not as gifted learn to do those tasks with excellence unto the Lord. Right? Now, since these servants are typically action-oriented folks, they love to get after things. And they might be more tempted, okay, to be irritated with the thinkers and the teachers and the planning types. Right? Now you say, always talking, you know? Always talking. It's not acting. I'm action. I'm acting. You know, it's do stuff. But you know what happens? Is there's a lot of complexity going on in the church that your leaders have to think through. Wisdom that's needed. Even in basic decisions, right? Your leaders are taking account in terms of the whole of what's happening. 
And slowness is good in terms of decision-making in the context of the body. And you might be tempted to reduce the complexity of a decision, for example. So the elders might need to think critically through something before we do it, but you might be chomping at the bit just to get to work on it. So on the one hand, be patient with the process, okay? But also know that that impulse is good, okay? That impulse to get after it, get stuff done, that's good, okay? And often the Lord uses your impulse to help the thinking crowd make a decision, right? Like, we've got to get this done. Like, we're on a time crunch. If we don't do this, you know, then we're going to be backlogged in these ways. So it helps us make timely decisions, and those are good things. The pressure's good. So don't, don't fall off the, the wagon and say, well, then I'm just going to sit back. You know, still be proactive, but just even be patient in that. All right? Finally, this last pitfall is, is directed toward the rest of the body that benefits from this gift of service. Okay? Sometimes those gifted in this area, especially those who have skilled expertise, you know, like in a vocation, Sometimes those folks love to use that expertise to bless other church members. Okay, we're talking real practical now. We've had, you know, members of TBC, like electricians, come to our house, do work that we would normally pay people for, and then them not charge us for that work. And then we got to hustle around, like, hey, please, Bill, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, just kind of play it off. But they just don't charge us. I was like, hey, what a grace. That is a, a sweet gift. That's a practical way to use your expertise to serve. But get this, the rest of you. We should not expect this of others. Okay? Or make them think that they are obligated to give us cheap or free services with their expertise. That's a pitfall of this gifting. And it happens a lot in the context of the body. If they want to bless others, if the gift, those are the gifts of service, they have expertise in areas, if they want to gift others and bless others with their trade or vocational skills, they are free to do it. As unto the Lord, but they are certainly not obligated. This is their means of putting bread on the table for their families. And on the flip side, knowing that, we should want to bless them with the attitude of saying, I don't, I don't want to try to skate out of this as cheaply as I possibly can and use some other church member to benefit myself. I want to think about, how can I bless them? How can I bless that person who's coming into my home and doing work for me? Maybe I could go over and above what they're even asking for and pay them a little extra if I'm able to do that. If I'm gifted in, like we'll see next week, the gift of giving. No, actually, those with the gift of giving already think that way. So um, it's the rest of us that need that, Right? Um, and one time I had, saw a sweet example of this. I, I went to a conference. I stayed, you know, a ways away. And I stayed at a, a house of somebody that went to the church at the conference. And while we were there, you know, we're like turning on the shower. It's like freezing cold. It's like, whoa, you know, the hot water line. He didn't use a, like a guest shower. He never used it. Hot water line wasn't working. He's embarrassed. He gets on the phone. He's like calling the plumber. The plumber happened to go to the church too. The plumber shows up, fixes the, you know, fixes the line. And I, I'm, I'm still upstairs, but I hear him downstairs, a big open concept floor plan. I can, I can overhear him. I was eavesdropping. And uh, not actually. They were talking loud, okay? And I was sitting out in the middle. But I heard him kind of going back and forth, and it sounded like they were arguing. And I was like, uh-oh, you know, is everything all right? But they were arguing over um, the one guy didn't want to take money, and the other guy wanted to pay him, like, way more. 
And it was just a beautiful thing. And it was, it, I was like, I've never heard this before in my life, you know? So I listened more intently. Like, how's this going to end? Uh, and so the guy persisted. I mean, he was well off. And so he persisted and made sure that the guy got, you know, way more than what he normally would have been paid. And so I think it was just a sweet, sweet interchange there. But my point there, okay, you're like, where's the point, okay? Uh, We should watch out for, you know, if you have this gift, feeling obliged that you have to work for free in the church. You're you're free to do that. And it's often a way that that these folks do that. They they offer their expertise, um, quote, unquote, for free. All right, we got two minutes, and we got to wrap this up. Okay? Last question, how can I maximize this gift? Well, let me say at the outset here that, you know, most of you are still kind of figuring out what gifts you have, right? That's like probably most of the categories. So, if you're not sure if you have this gift or not, and you're not involved in the church, guess what? Time to get busy, right? Time to get involved. First step is to grab a hold of the ministry net, find a need, and get busy meeting those needs. And you don't have to wait on me, or Rich, or Christy, or anybody else to tell you what to do. Because there's so many informal needs in the lives of those around you, right here in the church. So just as part of your friendship, start thinking in a way that's, that's kind of toward others. And be aware that there are needs all around you. Try to kind of find those out. Get to know what those needs are by, by asking them and then seek to meet those needs. And as you get busy meeting those needs, you'll be developing the heart of Christ. Right? You'll be developing the heart of Christ, and pretty soon your gifts are going to start to come out. Whatever gifts you have, they're going to start to come out in those contexts. And you may find that you've been gifted with this gift of service. Now, beyond that, there are more formal ways to serve that we're always putting in front of you, right? You can join a ministry team. You know, you're going to hear if you're not... If you're not been in the service, the medical team needs people, you know, set up and tear down team. We've got all kinds of practical teams. Uh, you can go to the website and, and check that out. I think they're called contribute teams. But you can look at that and see the list of what we have there kind of formally that are offered. You have to be a member to, to serve on one of those teams. But I know that the medical team is looking for new volunteers for next year. And any team would be welcome to have another member, right? Um, so just... Keep, stay on the lookout for that, and that, that, that does help you know, to find somebody who is more connected and say, okay, what, what needs are there uh, formally, and let's, let's see if we can meet some of those needs. And then, obviously we say this every time, but, but watch and mimic more mature servants in the church. Watch their lives, kind of take note of them. The, the, those folks that seem to be at everything, doing everything, serving, they seem to be well-connected, they know what the needs are. Like, learn, if you have this gift, specifically if you have this gift, like, excel in it. Like, find somebody and just kind of grill them. Ask them questions, follow them, get in their hip pocket. Be a little assistant to the servant, right? And, and learn all you can from them. Because pretty soon, you're going to be in their position. Because you're going to be the one influencing the younger generation. You're going to be the one modeling what the gift of service looks like. And so you're going to want to know what a good example is and actually be working on setting that example even now. And then finally, I would say, my advice would be aspire to the diaconate, meaning 
serving as a deacon or deaconess. So you think, where did that come from? It seemed like out of the left field. Well, deacon is just the word for servant. It's the same word, actually. Servant. And you can, a, a deacon, what, what is a deacon? A deacon is an exemplary servant. Okay, they, are, they are set apart in the church as a model servant. They might have other gifts, but you can almost certainly be sure that they have the gift of servant, right? They are a model servant. Deacons and deaconesses usually carry some level of responsibility, and they typically lead our ministry teams. So that means as servants with the serving gifts, they also have some, at least a, a little bit, or sometimes a lot of leadership capacity. They help mobilize others to serve. So, if that's you, if you kind of feel like there's that combo there, get familiar, either way, get familiar with the character qualities in 1 Timothy 3. Because deacons are, are, have to meet certain character qualities. And start cultivating that character in your life. Alright? Think practical ways to, to kind of begin pursuing those. So, next time, that's it. Next time, we're going we're gonna to kind of land the plane. We're going to cover our last two gifts. The gifts of um, mercy and... Forgot the last one. Giving, thank you. Uh, we'll, we'll cover those. And then hopefully I'll try to wrap that up a little quicker so we can start doing some Q&A. All right? With that. But I'm kind of telling you that now to put myself on the hook. All right? You're dismissed.